0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. And be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. We are on location at the Winter 2018 NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, specifically at the Convention Center. My thanks to TASCAM for having me out here again for the second year in a row. And for the great equipment of theirs that I use to record this show uh, using the TASCAM DR44WL right now to talk to my two guests who are originally from here in California and now reside in a little town known as Nashville, Tennessee. They are Dixie Jade. Welcome, ladies.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: us. Absolutely. Ladies, let's start off first, as we always do in the show, by having the guests talk about the song of theirs that was just playing. In your case, we just heard Grit and Amazing Grace. Tell the listeners about that song.
1: Yes. So that was actually a song... um We had had the idea for, actually, Dominique came to me first and said, you know, I have this really great idea, and we should write a song called Grit. And I was like, I think that's a great idea. (laughs) Half of a great idea, at least. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, but what if we include, like, the opposite, Amazing Grace? Because we come from a really long line of very, very amazing, strong women um, who raised us. Our moms are incredible people and very supportive of our careers. Um, And so we kind of wanted to pay tribute to that, those both sides um, being able to be strong but also uh, gentle and having to have faith in life and uh, knowing that your path is going to be the right one
0: I like it She's looking at you. Do you you have more you want to say about that song, or did she she do a good job? No, she did a good job.
2: No, it's just, uh, you know, I think sometimes when when you start out music, you know, however old you are, but normally it's from a young age, right? For some reason you're taking music lessons and maybe you're writing songs, and, you know, you just write about whatever you feel. And then sometimes when you go into an industry, you feel pressure to write for the radio or write what other people are writing to be cool and fit in. And so this was really one of the first songs for the two of us writing together, that we were like, you know, we're not going to do that. Wherever it ends up, like, we just want to talk about us and our story and honestly what we're going through and sometimes how hard it is, you know, to follow your dreams and everything that that journey takes. So, yeah, it's just a really personal song to us for that reason. And
0: that, and that's, you know, as we know, that's not an easy thing to do in songwriting is to say, you know, I'm not going to do, okay, this is going to be three and a half minutes. I'm writing for radio. It's right. going you know, right. to Absolutely. step out and say, you know what? We have something that we want to accomplish personally with our message in this song. So hats off to the two of you for saying, hey, this is what we're doing. And, you know, if it's if it ends up on the radio, great. If not, great. that's not our goal. <laughs> that's not.
1: Well, thank you. We appreciate that. It's, it's a hard thing to to do. And um, I think in this song, we really just... We knew what the feeling was, and we knew how meaningful it was to us, and we just stayed true to that. Um, we actually wrote a few drafts of the song. We had a, a first verse and a chorus and we came back to our co-writers and said, we, we love this maybe for another song, but I, we don't think this is the song. And so we scrapped it and we started uh, again. <laughs> um, so we just stayed really, really true to that feeling and that emotion.
0: But if you think about how many songs a songwriter will do over the course of his or her career, why do you think it is that more songwriters don't say, hey, look, I can take a pass on this one. I can write one that's really personal that I don't care where it goes. Why do you think? Is it because of all the pressure that there is, especially in Nashville, that you got to get a hit? Someone's this has got to be a cut. Come on, we got to. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it, unfortunately, it is a rare thing to hear someone saying, we wrote this song for ourselves. And Yeah,
2: well, we don't have mortgages to pay. I'll definitely start off with that one. So I'm sure I think that the pressure is harder when you're not, you know, young, straight, moving, you know, kind of out of your parents' house, moving to a new city and, uh, you know, following your dreams. I think there's a lot more pressure when you have to support a family. Again, you have mortgage payments, you have child's, you know, school bills, you have whatever um, the other baggages that comes with life and it's wonderful things but when you're in charge of um, just, you know, survival, I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and for us, I mean, we only have to help ourselves survive so, you know, we're the only ones suffering, I guess.
1: Yeah, and the never-ending question between balance, really, of, you know, art and business and obviously, you know, we are in the music business but we also do it because we love it and so, there is that give and take with that Um, and I think, For us, we've just wanted to concentrate on chasing that magic in songs, no matter what it is. Um, We've written some songs that, uh, in fact, our good friends said last night, uh, Tom Petty quote, that was, uh, the emotion will always beat out a clever line. Um, And staying true to that emotion in the song, um, even if you are good at the craft and you have that ability to, to craft a great song, to not betray that, really true honest emotion in it and I think that's such a difficult thing to do
0: (laughs) well and there's also something to be said for I don't know if it was uh, last week or the week before I was talking on uh, whichever episode it was about my interview with Johnny Diaz Christian artist Uh, on episode 92 he said to me that it's the song that you write that you think is going to be a hit that doesn't become a hit, and it's yes. the one that you write that you really don't kind of have any aspirations of anything that ends up and He was saying that was the story for him that He's put a wise, Johnny Tyson. wise man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, listeners, you know this obviously is not uh, a video interview, so you can't see the girls. I don't know how to tell you when it's Andrea and when it's Dominique talking. <laughs> um, at the very beginning, you might have heard in Andrea's first answer, she started to refer to Dominique, but um, we'll we'll let y'all sort that out. Uh,
1: <laughs> they can guess; it'll be more fun that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, listeners, I, I want to give you their their backstory a little bit, but um, you know, really, just we'll we'll, we'll actually kind of leave you hanging and and work backwards here because present day uh in addition to being here at Nam, uh you have an EP that is going to be released um this spring
1: we're working on it right now so we're finishing up writing and everything for it and then we're going to get in the studio sometime in the next month um and start really delving in on it so um yeah we're excited about it
0: now, let's let's talk about something that happened last year. I think this is really cool because, again, when you talk about that it is a business, I, I love hearing the stories when people come up with some really unique, I'll call them promotional angles. So in the spring of last year, a song of yours called Lights Out. Tell the story about the signature cocktail with oh, that song. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's actually for the I Can't Turn You Off. Um, and we, we named the... Um, the cocktail itself lights out. Um, we actually had a showcase in Nashville, um, Tennessee, and we did at, at, uh, 12th and Porter. And so we wanted to just make it really fun for the audience and incorporate it. And so we did kind of, everything was, I can't turn you off themed. Um, and we thought, well, what, what funnier pun to do than lights (laughs) out, you know? So we, um, it was actually one of my good friends and he created the signature cocktail for us. Um, and actually, that's become our business cards too. Is we have we have us on one side, and then we have our signature cocktail on the other. So we figure that you don't want to throw it away because at least yeah. you want to make a beverage before you do. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's very unique, though. That's you know, again, that's kind of looking at something. And in this case, you know, you say, well, here's a friend of ours that can mix this up for us, and you know, making a whole theme night out of it, yes. and it's and it's something memorable that people that you know. Ultimately you want to be known for your sound, for your lyrics, things like that, but if that's kind of what gets people in the door and says, Oh, you're the girls with the with the cocktail not, thing, right?
1: Yeah, we're I anything we to just remember have fun,
2: really. Honestly, I don't even think it was a marketing strategy so much as us being like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a drink That'd that everyone cool. was like, you know, drinking while we're playing music?
1: <laughs> we just got
2: really excited about yeah. it. So
3: Well but I think
0: to your point, Dominique, I think, you know, if that's the atmosphere if that's kind of the tone that you want to embody, people will say it's so fun yeah. listening to their music, going to their shows. You know, they even have their own signature cocktail kind <laughs> of thing. So it does just add to that, that, yeah, I we idea. definitely
2: want people to have a good time, I mean that's why I go to concerts, you know, there's great singers and great guitarists and musicians and songwriters and performers, but ultimately I feel like what you take home from a concert is the memory of how you felt at that moment, you know, whoever you were with, whether it was your girlfriends, whether you're on a first date, you know, whether it's your wedding anniversary, I feel like you take home that whole experience more than just the music.
0: And so we were talking about the EP that will be coming out in the spring. In April of 2015, you released your debut EP with A Little Grit, which was recorded on Music Row at Warner Music Studio. Look at how Dominique's eyes lit up really big like it just happened like a month ago. So obviously a fun experience.
2: I just love being in the studio, and that was a particularly uh, really an honor to be able to record there. Um, You know, so many other legends have done it before, and I think just to have the experience where I know probably most... Well, I guess I'm not sure exactly who listening has been in a studio, Um, but it's really fun. So one of the things that I loved about that was everyone got their own booth and there were windows in it. And so when we were all playing, we were all tracking at the same time, but we could look out our little windows and wave to each other and see each other. So that's just a really fun thing to be able to go into a studio and play as a band
1: you get to feel everybody's energy all at the same time. Um, And so often nowadays with home studios and whatnot, and there's nothing wrong with this either, but a lot of people will lay down tracks independently of each other. So it's like, you know, the bass player will ship it in and the drummer lays it down later, you know? And so it's kind of done in piecemeal rather than sitting in a room and really playing together. So that's a really rare, I think, thing to be able to get to do still now, um, especially on an independent artist's budget and, um, it was really, we were just really grateful that we got that experience.
0: So. Okay, but a couple of follow-up questions, because yeah. you recorded at Warner Music Studios. Now, is yeah. that, oh, it's just somebody whose last name is Warner, or is it tied in with so
2: it is tied in with warner brothers yeah but, uh, because
0: because andrew you said independent and it's like wait a minute how are independent artists recording their debut their <laughs> debut ep at warner music studios
2: so we actually did a kickstarter to raise money to record um and so that helped us fund the whole ep but but anyone if you can raise the money or if you have it yourself you know you can go and we also you know had some really good friends um, who were able to show us a couple different studios as options. So Nashville's just a really friendly town like that. Everyone just Wants to help each other, which is really, really nice to be a part of a music community like that. So that's kind of how we got our foot in the door.
0: But we've talked about this on the show before, crowdfunding campaigns. How nerve wracking was that to know that we've only got 30 days to hit this goal and we're not going to get anything because it's Kickstarter. You know, we've talked on this show about the different platforms and the pros and cons of each. But with Kickstarter, you don't hit your goal, you don't get a penny.
1: Right. So it was actually my sister um, is actually, she did a lot of nonprofit fundraising. Um, for many years of her life, and still works in nonprofits, and so she was really interested in how we were going to run our campaign because she had a lot of statistics and information on the fact that you can pretty much tell within, I think, the first twenty-four to forty-eight hours whether or not you're going to hit your goal by the end of it. Wow! So a lot of people don't know that. And tell the listeners
0: how big my mouth just got. I when know you, said you said got that. it; <laughs> just it dropped open, <laughs> listeners.
1: Um, But it's actually a really good thing to know for any aspiring musician or anybody who's trying to raise money. You can find statistics out there about it to kind of help guide you. Um, Because sometimes, honestly, if the campaign isn't being run um, in the best way or you don't hit these certain markers, it's better to just can it and take it down and start again and rethink your marketing strategy and kind of how you're getting out to your fans and people who are going to donate to you rather than I've watched people go to try to raise like a $30,000 goal and it's in the 30 days and you know by day 29 they have like two grand and it's like well and it would have been you know maybe easier if they had perhaps looked at like how much they really could realistically raise or maybe at the markers, something like that, you know, and we've had a lot of people that have had really successful campaigns um, and you you find those same markers in them. So anyway, it was it was really great that we had some guidance with that. because I think we were pretty sure that I think it was like a 90% oh, still terrifying. rate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it doesn't matter what statistics
2: tell you when you're the one who's doing it like you True. said you might just not get any of the money like maybe it's going to disappear tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> it's obviously not going to, but you know
0: Well, and just- uh I always go back to an interview I did in the show with someone that you might know from Nashville, Elena yeah. Um, she talked, uh, actually interviewed her twice and she talked on one of the interviews about false pledges, which was something that I didn't know come in. Wow. And she said that fortunately she spotted it early that it came in and she got all excited and said, wow, somebody just pledged. I think it was a thousand dollars or oh, something wow. like that. And you get really excited because you go, oh my gosh, that really pushed me a lot closer really fast. Only to find out there are people out there that put false pledges into these, ca- yeah, and oh my gosh, the look- that makes Andrea me looks so like she's going <laughs> to But so, in your case, how much was the the amount that you raised? On your Kickstarter?
1: I think we ended up raising about $6,500. I think our goal was 5 yeah. but we ended up going over nice, the goal. Nice, nice. So. so I
0: didn't forget my other question uh, when you were talking yeah. about recording. Why did you, because it, cause normally that is how it is. You, know, you go in the studio, you cut your vocals, and you go, oh, we're going to have the drummer come in tomorrow and do that. And uh, the guitar, he's lined up for, um, I think it's this coming weekend. And how, how why was it that, that y'all did it, everybody together?
2: So we had done that before, actually. Um, We're songwriters, and so we write with other people at publishing houses, and we had gotten some opportunities to record some demos, um, and we had tried to demo, you know, some of our songs, and we did it exactly that way. You know, we had a drummer play drums on it. We had a bass player play, and everyone was playing at different times. Um, And, you know, we were fairly happy with the way that those demos turned out, but we just decided, you know, for a whole EP, for a project that's supposed to be together, you know, seven songs that are all supposed to have, just a similar feeling you know all supposed to fit together we wanted something more cohesive than that
1: yeah so it was and it was we had one of our producers was kind of old-school in the way he approaches things as well and so um, it was kind of his recommendation that we do this um, to embrace that energy that you get from everyone playing in a room and I'm really just so glad that we did because you know, it does change things. Creativity happens when everybody's doing it at once. Somebody will play something, somebody will think of something, you know, and they'll be like, oh, wait a minute, like, let me go back in and try this again. And you're like, okay. Um, And so sometimes things morph into even greater things than you expected because of all that creative energy in the room that wouldn't happen if you were just, you know, laying down the part at your house and shipping it in. Yeah,
0: and I'd like to think that, that there's probably a small part of it that was you know whereas we do want our demos to be great like this is our debut EP and this has to be something that just really blows doors and you know because it was a Kickstarter thing there's those people that are going to have expectations so you know let's really do this absolutely right our way
2: right and you want it to have your sound and it's like you're saying you know part of our sound is we wanted a lot of organic elements to it you know we wanted some electronic stuff some new nashville but we definitely wanted to keep some organic like 70s flair in there
0: Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is consider it mandatory to put a caption and hashtags on your Instagram post. How do you expect people to engage with you in your posts, not to mention find, no less follow you, if you just post an image with no caption and no hashtags? I would say that unless you have hundreds of thousands of followers, dot dot dot, but even those people put a description, what I'm calling a caption, and some hashtags. This is even more important when the picture doesn't speak for itself and the user is otherwise staring at your post and thinking, what am I looking at? If you have time to post the image, you have time to write a caption and put in hashtags. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus.
3: How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format... There is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120 respectively. Just go to www.Bruce'sBonusBook.com for online ordering and instant delivery.
0: I'm speaking today with Andrea Crisali and Dominique Ruiz. They are Dixie Jade. Do visit them online on their official website, DixieJade.com, and certainly they are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Engage with them on there. We are on social media as well. Go to NHTE.net, and there are icons there to get to us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I didn't mention YouTube, but obviously uh, Dixie Jade is on there as well. Ladies, uh, speaking of YouTube, Karen Waldrop has been a guest on this show, I like to say, 2.5 times, <laughs> uh, episodes 42 and 88, and then last year when we were here at the NAMM show on episode 166, that was uh, we did two guests per episode last year at NAMM, and Karen was uh, a guest again. And the two of you did a YouTube video with her of the cover song, Drift Away.
1: We did, and it was so fun. It was so much fun. We had... A great time. Um, we actually met Karen on the road. Um, ah. We opened up for her in um, Kansas. Kansas, And so we just got along. We hit it off really well. And she was so kind enough to have us on her Waldrop Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we had picked a different song originally uh, to do. And it was just a really hard time, I think, in the news. And um, a lot of things were going on. A lot of tragedies were happening. And we just decided, you know, we really think that we should do an uplifting song uh, to uh, kind of change the mood. She called us last minute and she was like, I'm so sorry, girls, but I have to change the song. And, and we were like, you know what, that's a really good point and you're right and we should, we should do that. Um, and we were really lucky. It went viral and um, I think it's up to about 5.6 million views now. Mm. So
0: Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's great exposure that, you know, with the algorithms changing for Facebook nowadays and yeah. pages being seen less when you can get something like that you know because obviously Facebook wants you to pay to boost a post or to do whatever to place an ad and all of a sudden you can get that and
2: I think it's like when you're saying that before, of course, that's with an original song, but even with a cover, it's when you don't expect something to hit. But more than that, it's when you just put your heart and soul into something and you truly just want to make a difference in the world. And you have no idea, you know, how many views it gets. And honestly, it doesn't really matter how many views it gets, because that's not the point of it. You know, the point of it is to connect with other people and to make few people feel better, you know, and and everyone's going through something. All of us are, you know, it's definitely been a rough, I think, past year for everyone. Um, But just to know that there's still love and hope out there.
0: Well, and also, uh, as much as it is for the people that are watching, it's also a nice opportunity for the two of you to say you know what we opened for karen but this was really nice getting to play with her like this was kind of fun yeah. i liked it and you're not thinking in that moment you're going she's really cool this was neat cool. to, yes. It it's nice of her to have us on waldrop wednesday and all of a sudden you go wait a minute how many views is this thing up to I didn't. Yeah.
1: It, sh- it really shocked us because we had never experienced anything like that before and obviously karen has some really really successful videos some viral videos um quite a few and so she had you know gone kind of through it before and and I don't know I don't even think it really registered with us we were just like oh she's awesome and she has to do this this is great and so we did and it was so fun and then um, we were just really overwhelmed at a lot of the responses from people and very grateful that they would reach out and send messages and say thank you and um, you know there was one gentleman in particular his friend was Passing away of cancer, and he was like, I'm in the hospital, and I needed a boost. And I don't know, you just realize that there are real people on the other ends of screens, and they have their own lives and troubles, and it matters. And what you do can influence that, you know? It's very cool. Okay. Getting choked up. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's
0: people on the other ends of microphones, and <laughs> people right. on the other ends of podcasts. <laughs> the listeners are like, wait, he doesn't get choked up. What, <laughs> wait what up are these minutes. girls doing to him? <laughs> Took him 200 and something episodes. Um, So let's go back and and tell the listeners, because we've been blessed to get listeners to this show from 132 countries around the world. So certainly there's people who are listening today because they know who you are and they are trying to keep up on everything that you're doing. But for those listeners who are just being introduced to Dixie Jade, so Andrea, uh, lead vocals and piano, Dominique, vocals and lead guitar. Listeners, they first met while they were music students out here at USC and your story is uh, there were a couple of guests I had in this show Chase Miller back on episode eighty nine and Heather Jeanette <laughs> Heather Jeanette on episode one seventy one I said you live in California why did you go all the way to Nashville to to record your album I mean you're in, you're, you're in Los Angeles I mean there's so much music being done out here right. and she goes well duh because it's the country capital and I'm like you know what she just made me feel pretty stupid like of course she's a country artist why wouldn't That's she go really to Nashville funny. and do it but I, I like this this story is really cool. It, it goes on that the two of you ended up in the same choir and creative writing classes as juniors at USC. And then a year later, Andrea, you recognized and approached Dominique at a songwriter's open mic night at the Bluebird. So, I mean, that's cool. And, and you bonded and everything. and, and then, but, but, like, help me. I, I'm missing a piece of the puzzle because you were living here.
1: I moved, so I moved after after college, I moved to Nashville, mm-hmm. um, and I moved a little bit before Dominique did, and so when she uh, came to Nashville first. She was going out to a lot of writer's rounds and everything because she knew what she was doing and I had no idea. And so <laughs> I showed up to the Bluebird with a friend of mine and I was staring at her across the room. I probably looked really like a creeper. Um, and I was like, I know that girl. And my friend was like, are you sure? I was like, no, I know her. And so I walked over to her and I was like, Dominique? And she was like, yes. And she goes, yeah, hi. And she recognized me too. And so I said, Why are you doing here and she goes well, i moved here and i was like well, wow. me too." Wow. <laughs> like, so it was really we, we just had moved for the same dream um and we were going to do independent artistry really like we were okay so
0: you both moved to nashville for the same reason that so many other reason. music people do yeah. move to nashville but did you come to usc from elsewhere or were you californians already
1: I am Andrea, I am a native, (laughs) I Andrea, I'm a native (laughs) California. Put your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand. (laughs) Yes, thank you very much. Um, I'm from Simi Valley, California originally, so um, it was a 45-minute drive for me.
2: (laughs) And I, Dominique, am from Cupertino, California, so six hours, Uh, but not too far. I was born in L.A. but raised in the
0: Bay. Okay, but you both decided after college to move to Nashville
2: so my thing is actually really funny because we're here at Nam. So when I was here out in L.A., I was at a blues jam out in Hollywood, and I didn't know about Nam, but it happened to be Nam Week, and there were these amazing guitarists. There's a group of about five <laughs> of them who just got up one after the next after the next, and I was like, why are they so good at guitar?" So I, I approached them after, and I said, hi, um, you don't know me, but hi, you guys hi, are why really are you so amazing. Good? <laughs> and they're like, oh, look, we're visiting here from Nashville. You know, we're in for the Nam conference, and I was like, "What's what's that, and what's Nashville? I mean, obviously I knew it as a place, but I didn't know it as kind of like a, a music mecca and a guitar mecca. And they're like, you should come out to Nashville. You're loving it. And I was like, OK. And I was like, Mom, I'm dropping out of school and moving to Nashville. And she was like, no, <laughs> no, you're not. So I waited, you know, a couple more years after that. But my heart was pretty much set that that was the place that I needed to be. I had no idea
1: actually. <laughs> I grew up listening to country music and I was a classical music major and I had no a clue. classical music yes, major Yes, I was an opera major. I had no <laughs> I had no I had no idea that I would end up in Nashville and actually um a guy I was dating at the time um was from East Tennessee and so I visited Nashville a few times and um I had a cousin who was in the industry on the back end of things and um my boyfriend at the time said well why don't you go to nashville and be a country singer and i was like that's ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) who does that that's (laughs) silly um and then i moved to nashville like (laughs) nine months later we did we did yes
0: and (laughs) uh the story goes that since then they have written hundreds of songs together and toured across the nation you performed recently uh on a tv show in tulsa oklahoma you opened for a while the likes of Thompson Square, Love and Theft, Daryl Singletary, even played uh, down in my state in Florida at the Key West Songwriters Festival yes. in 2016. So yes. uh, as they, who is it, American Express? I think the commercial uh, membership has its benefits. Yes. yes. So <laughs> obviously um, it's, it's well known throughout the industry that the Key West Songwriters Festival, you can only apply to play at that if you're a BMI artist. So yes. obviously uh, the two of you um, had you... How long had you been BMI members? Had you applied to play at that festival several times? Was it your first time?
1: We had played the year before in 2015 and uh, in 2016. Then we played again. Um, She had been BMI. I've
2: been BMI since I was uh, 18 or 19 years old. So I took a songwriting uh, class at USC and and again I know it sounds just so silly but my heart was just set on being a professional songwriter and making it work somehow and so um, USC just has a really good connection with BMI and they happen Ah, to have like a rep over there and so I kind of got it plus Eminem is BMI I know it has nothing to do with country (laughs) but that was pretty much just you know my final decision yeah I was like maybe somehow (laughs) (laughs) done so um, but no we they actually have this really cool thing in Nashville called a new writer walk-in and so um, I had someone at a blues jam again a guitarist we have a great community of guitarists in nashville and uh he told me about it and so i was like oh this is really cool and so i told andrea hey we should just go in you know we're we're new writers and i got her to sign up and we went over and we started talking with some other people there and they said hey keep coming out to more you know bmi shows and maybe we can put you on one so we've done some other bmi shows in nashville and now we've met some really nice bmi people in la so
0: so the new writer walk-in is just a bmi thing
2: Uh, They may have at other places, but I've only ever been with BMI, so I can't speak to the other PROs. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) We're
3: not sure.
0: (laughs) Uh, You've played countless shows there in Nashville, including the legendary Bluebird Cafe. Uh, Just talk about that because anybody that I talk to that's played at the Bluebird, I just always want to hear about it.
2: So we're going to be back at the Bluebird next Sunday, February 4th, Super Bowl Sunday. But um, so just in case
1: anybody doesn't want to watch this whole <laughs> you can see us <laughs> at the, the other Bloomert. half time. <laughs> it's just the greatest experience. We love playing it. I think everyone Loves playing at the Bluebird in Nashville. Um, You know, it used to be so much more low-key because before the television show, um, people didn't... You could just walk into the Bluebird. It was kind of like any other place, but it was very special. Just the energy there was really unique. And um, so now with the television show, it's great for them because they're slammed all the time. So you always have an audience and they always want to listen and it's fantastic. Um, And it's just a really homey very welcoming environment you have um, you, we play the Sunday nights uh, so you have featured writers at the end of the night um, we've played we've been able to play with John Schlitz uh, several times now and it's just incredible you know you start playing the gambler and you're just like I can't even believe that I am sitting next to you it's crazy um, so it's it's very we're gr- very grateful for that experience
2: plus especially for us it just holds a special place in our heart because we met there you know and we may not be a band without the Bluebird. So I definitely always think of that every time, you know, we go and I'm like, that's the spot that I was sitting in. That's where Andrew was sitting in. You know, but like I said, Nashville is just a really great family music community. And the Bluebird always reminds me of that.
0: And of course, the more and more popular it's becoming and it's, you know, to me, its reputation had preceded itself even before the show came along, but it didn't hurt because you know you do have young young songwriters that are just coming to Nashville that all they think of is, I got to play at the Bluebird, and they have the open mic night. As a matter of fact, on episode 146, my guest was Barbara Cloyd, who yes, runs the open mic night we love her. at Bluebird. Um, she and I were at the uh, Frank Brown Songwriters Festival in Alabama, and we talked there and did an interview for the show, and she talked about the do's and don'ts for those that are <laughs> coming yeah, to open yes, mic night. yes. But so, you know, to me, the Bluebird is, is kind of like hallowed ground, you know. it's, yeah. it's Definitely. It definitely uh, is. But the two of you seem like you're, like, just absolutely best friends. But you have the same necklace on. I've been noticing. <laughs> and and I could just tell. I mean, and that's, you know, for you know, to say, you go there and you say, this is where we met. That's where I was sitting. I mean, the two of you seem... Like your sisters, you know, more than... We
1: are. We j- we just joke all the time yeah. that, you know, we just... We We're honorary sisters. Yeah. <laughs> we do have sisters, but I think we spend so much time in a car together. <laughs> no, but I, I realized that very She's early on. She's nicer to me in the bathroom getting ready in the morning, too. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Than you are to her, in other words. No, no, no. no. Well, I mean, maybe. Than my, my real sister. No, than my
0: real sister. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> she won't hit she won't she me too
1: hard for saying that.
2: <laughs> no, but you realize that, I think, very early on, um, playing... Music professionally all the time is, you know, how long are you on stage? Maybe it's a 30-minute set. Maybe it's a four-hour set. It's not usually longer than that. Um, But you can be in the car for 14 hours, 18 hours, and that's one way, and then you have to come back, and you're on the leg of some two-week journey where you're not... So you start realizing that it's the people who you're in a band with. You know, it's the people who you're on the road with. Like It makes such a big difference to how um, traveling and just the whole show run can go...
1: Yeah, you have, you have fun people to work with and all the time.
2: And
0: we talk for 14 hours straight. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk a lot. And that's there is the old so expression that, that family doesn't necessarily mean blood. So, true. I mean, that's yes, there's proof right true. there. So, one of you used the word band at some point. I wonder, when people go and see Dixie Jade, I mentioned before, listeners, that Andrea plays piano, Dominique plays uh, guitar but is it always just a duo act, or do you ever have a full band? What, 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 what we, goes in what instance? We
1: love doing full band, so we do yeah. acoustic. Uh, just. Mostly for ease purposes, because um, it's much easier. It's for a lot
2: of songwriter nights, too, you know, because it's Nashville.
1: Right. Um, but I think our music really lends itself to being a full band. Um, like we said before, we just really want to have a, a good time on stage ourselves, and we want to make sure our audience has a great time. And so having that full band energy is so much fun, because it's just a lot of... Um, just it's just great playing with guys that we love and we know and they're like family to us and um, it's it's awesome to have that energy on stage
2: yeah and you can be I think more free to to be an entertainer and uh, you can do things like let the drummer you know play and you can just talk <laughs> you know instead of having to be the whole band yourself
0: but Andrea in your case because you play piano which you know everybody always wants to drift towards the guitar because they talk about the portability
1: Which I do, actually. I I play that more often, like, on the road than I really do the the keyboard because it's really, it is, it's hard. It's hard to pick it up and bring it around. Um, And I think as a lead singer, too, I really like to jump around and, and like, connect with the audience. Yeah, when Dominique
0: said, you know, to to interact, I thought, well, if you're sitting behind a piano, I mean, let's put aside the part of lugging it around. It's, you know, well, how much can I really do when I have to sit here?
1: Yes. I mean, I Billy Joel would probably disagree heavily <laughs> with that statement. Um, <laughs> But you know, I think those kind of entertainers as well, um, like if, if Phil Vassar, a good example in country, um, he's an incredible player. So I think that's the other thing. And he stands up, and it's kind of like Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, it's very um, engaging. And he's not always on, but he'll just kind of go on and off of the the keyboard. And um, so if I think if you're really a player like that, it's easy to to be that connected with the audience because um, the instrument is. Just an extension of you as a performer. Um, for me, I grew up playing classical piano, so switching over was a, a little bit more difficult for me. Um, and I just really, I lo- singing was always my first love, so I love to be able to be free with a wireless mic (laughs) jumping around so
0: and because she mentioned billy joel listeners i'll tell you if you never heard my interview with mike del judas go back and listen to episode 150 mike is the guitar player on tour with billy joel and he talked to me about his uh, billy joel tribute band called big shot that he still performs with and how that ultimately led him to uh to get asked by billy to to play with him on the road ladies we're going to close today with a song of yours called i can't turn you off before we let you go tell the listeners all about this song
1: so this song we actually co-wrote with our friends uh lexi hayden Keane who is also an artist she's an amazing country artist out in nashville and uh stone a I- eily there we go we can say his last name it's always a joke um and they were just it was actually a first write with them and we got in the room and um It was just one of those days that we were all able to kind of take down our walls and talk about really our feelings, and um, the title was thrown out, and it was something that we had all been through or seen or witnessed, um, and uh, we could all relate to it very well. And so um, we talked about before how this song kind of, like, it was for Dominique, it was therapy and she was kind of releasing some of the demons in her own, you know, life. And for me, yeah, past and in her past. And for me, um, I was kind of attracting some, some interesting uh, (laughs) things into my life and um, that it just, songs like that uh, sometimes change meaning for you um, over time. Mm -hmm. And originally when we wrote it, it was kind of one of those like, oh man, I love this song. It's great. But like. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with it. Um, And then as it went on, I was like, this song means so much to me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny how those things can kind of come back, back around.
2: Yeah, so it's been fun. It's our single out right now on Spotify Spotify, yeah, and iTunes separately and uh, other online music stores. But it's been fun. We've been playing some TV shows and radio, you know, and just promoting it. And like Andrea said, it's really fun to have a single where you're like, oh, wow, like this is a you know story about us and our lives separately, you know, dating different guys. It would be maybe a funnier story if we were dating the same guy. Yes,
1: much funnier. Yes.
2: <laughs> but, you know, you both go through different things and it's ends up coming out the same in a song.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, listeners, whether you are in a position as Dixie Jade was thanks to their crowdfunding campaign to get into the studio or you're just a home hobbyist, you're doing your music at home. I do encourage you to check out Tascam, all the gear that they have available. Go to Tascam.com. My thanks to Tascam for having me out here once again to the NAM show, Winter NAM show 2018 here in Anaheim, California. We're at the convention center. My thanks today to my guests, Andrea Casali and Dominique Ruiz from Dixie Jade. Ladies, thank you very much for the time. Thank you
1: so thank you. much.
0: Absolutely. Listeners, that'll do it for this week's episode. And now hear this entertainment. My sincere thanks to Dixie Jade. Please check out their website at DixieJade.com and then engage with them on social media. So that means follow them on Facebook and Twitter, and instagram subscribe to their youtube channel like and watch the videos on there let them know that you heard them and their music and now hear this entertainment do purchase their music and keep up with the girls online so you can see where and when you can see them perform live talking about crowdfunding it's not quite the same thing but we do have a patreon campaign for this show just go to nhte.net and click on the button there to go over to see the Patreon for N-H-T-E or just go to patreon.com slash N-H-T-E. That'll do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. We'll close you out today with another song by Dixie Jade. This is the one they just talked about. It's called I Can't Turn You Off.
3: Heading out, shut off all the lights Turn the key, put the car in drive that song comes up, so I change the die Used to crank it up, but it's been a while you go I wish, I wish there was a switch that I could, I could flip, but I can't turn you off, I can't turn you off, I can't, I can't turn you off, neon light flashing at the bar. Another round, dancing in the dark